You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. So lots going on, certainly, to say the least. Virus, market itself, yet companies, investors still making decisions, and that includes in the commercial real estate market. Gil Barak is U.S. President and CEO of Colliers International, usually based in Los Angeles, but he's here in our Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio uh, on this Thursday. Um, Gil, nice to have you here with us. Great to be here. Thank you. So wh- I don't know. How do you and your business kind of um, pull together as you walked in, like, wow, what a week. <laughs> Between the market sell-off, concerns about the virus, I think we're all now, do we have to reassess what the market and economic outlook are for the rest of the year? So how do you kind of take account of it? So I look at something like coronavirus as a macro uh, event, and always in commercial real estate or relative to commercial real estate services, when you look at a macro event, whatever it is, whatever it's been historically, you generally will get a short-term seize up and then things normalize. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with coronavirus. None of us do. We don't right. know how far it's going to spread. Right. That's the nervous factor. But, but things do tend to become clearer with time. Uh, some of what the CDC has said this week is new, very new news to most of us. So we don't quite know how to react. But the one thing I do know is when you have a macro event like this, things do calm. And it, generally, you'll see the market seize up. You may see some deals be, be put on, on hold. And then it, as long as things pan out in a relatively organized and orderly fashion, um, things, everything else in real estate normalizes as well. Deals get back so on So nothing's track. changed yet? Nothing's changed yet. It's very early days, yeah. right? Especially here Have in any US. deals been kind of stopped because or delayed because of all of this? Not that I'm aware Even of. Even around the world? Because you guys are huge. Not that I'm aware of. But yes, overseas, I have heard instances here and there of, of things being deferred. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but that is not cause for consternation because that's a very normal reaction. Why, the, why is the stock market right. down? They don't, because we don't know. Right. Uh, let's talk about uh, your world, the U.S. especially, and sort of pockets of strength and, and weakness. We talk a lot mm-hmm. on this show. Uh, you know, we think about demographic trends. We think about financial trends in migration, you know, sort of people moving around, companies moving around. You're in Los Angeles. Normally, we're here in New York. These are places that, to some extent, are becoming less popular. In, in some cases, we hear a lot about Nashville. We hear a lot about Austin, Texas, uh, and other places. What sort of trends do you see out there? Yeah, you know, when things get expensive in gateway markets, the natural progression, and people are confident, the natural progression is to go where stock, office stock, or, or, or whatever, industrial, retail, whatever it might be, whatever you're buying, uh, back office, you tend to go where it's cheaper, right, where it's more efficient. Um, and we've had some really good markets for a good long while now. Mm-hmm. So gateway cities are are more expensive, and mm-hmm. that's in part why you see expansion. The deal is to be had somewhere other than New York or L.A. Of course, New York, L.A., cities like that are always going to have a level of activity just by the size of the population and the demand it creates. How's the build out and the you know in terms of new properties coming out in ter- for the for the commercial real estate market what kind of activity are we seeing? There, there is activity depending on where you are but there's no overbuilding. We learned that generally speaking we learned that lesson a long time ago. Of course when there's demand uh, you get building, building takes a little while, and that's when you sometimes get into an oversupply situation because you, you don't have perfect vision. Right, the lag. Um, but generally speaking, there's not an overbuilding situation. Yeah. 
What are the uh, elements of the commercial real estate market, the real estate market uh, writ large that we've talked a lot about from the private equity perspective, mm -hmm. from the public equity perspective, is sort of the industrial side and the power of Amazon and other very logistics heavy type companies that they've had. We've seen a lot of investment go in there. What's your take on that? Yes, I, that is true. Um, what I would say is that's where we start to talk about things like the blending of industrial real estate and retail. Yeah. So oh, I was, that's interesting. So when you look at a, an Amazon, a warehouse that's strictly for Amazon distribution, is that retail or is it industrial? I can tell you it used to be industrial. Yeah. Right. And, and traditionally you would call it a big, they're bigger than than most, but it's a big industrial warehouse, but it's essential for that last mile of delivery, which is ultimately a retail concept, mm -hmm. selling to an ultimate consumer um, that, that that warehouse needs to be close to. Usually in an, in an industrial area, traditionally industrial area, but really for the purpose of not manufacturing, but retail. So there's a blending there for sure. And Amazon is the largest retailer, right, I mean, I, at this point. And it's convenient, and it's here to stay. But that doesn't mean, I should make this comment, it doesn't mean the demise of traditional brick-and-mortar retail. Right. But what are the, not but, but so what are the implications of that for the mix that maybe a real estate investor has? Are you seeing people sort of lean more heavily on what, as you say, was more traditionally industrial and, and maybe better known now as like logistics type uh, opportunities? You have a lot of interest in industrial real estate for sure, uh, probably more than you did historically because demand is yeah. up, right? So it, it's sort of a, it's sort of, it's, 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 it's the cycle, cycle of life, if you yeah. cycle of commercial <laughs> real estate life. Um, uh oh, cue Lion King. Here we go. <laughs> Very funny. But I, what I, but, but some, as you know, some investors, you know, have a food group, industrial, retail that they focus on, and that's yeah. all they do. The larger shops tend to look at all food groups, and then you do have things that change. Well, that we used to be industrial, we're no longer an yeah. industrial, and those are just you know individual choices that are made. But, um, but industrial is, is the hot thing right now. You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week. Gil Borak still with us, U.S. President, Chief Executive Officer for Colliers International, sticking with us for a bit. Uh, Got to ask you just in the couple minutes that we have here in this little fill, uh, as we call it, New York versus L.A., what are the trends that, uh, that you're seeing? Yeah, well, L.A. last year, 2019, had the highest volume of sales, capital market no sales. No kidding. Uh, higher than New York. Uh, which is interesting, right? And it's a very different market. You know, this is a, it, New York, this, because I'm here today, is yeah. a big, off, there's big office stock. And then there's industrial, you know, outside, mm -hmm. of, uh, outside of Manhattan, of course. LA today has less office stock than New York, certainly, quite a bit less, but big industrial. So the dynamics are very different, which is why it's been such a healthy market in LA. Uh, that's not to say that we haven't seen office sales in New York. We have, but industrial is really disproportionately yeah. larger out there. It's not apples to apples, right, in terms of the really, composition. It's not really an apples to apples compare. But LA, and we have the weather. Yeah. Yeah, and L.A. has just True. like, it just goes and goes and goes. Yes. And I mean, in talking to people when I was out there this week. It's an L.A. I mean, spread. There are, I mean, it's <laughs> unbelievable. But, you know, there, there are parts of the city that even five, ten years ago, people wouldn't go to or even think about living or working there, right? That is correct. So as you go east of downtown LA, for example, that's now the place to be. Yeah. You know, you've got warehouses and you pass some frankly not so great areas and then you get the most popular restaurant in the city or some of them. Yeah. Uh, so it, this is in line with the eat, uh, live, work, play 
right? That that there are areas that are certainly developing that you would have never thought would develop to be what they are today. Just yeah. got about 10 seconds here. Are people still moving back to the cities? Are we really seeing that trend? Yes, or? I think so. Yeah. It is. I do think so. Yeah, it, I think it's a millennial young person's yeah. trend. Yes. We're continuing our conversation here on Business Week with Gil Borak. He is U.S. President Chief Executive Officer of Colliers International, longtime Angelino. We've been talking a lot about uh, that. And I wanted to pick up our conversation, Gil, if we could, kind of where we left off with our guest who wrote Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat, Bruce Daisley. It's a new book out. I believe you got a copy of it. I did. You, know, you never know what you're going to get you hanging out know. in our green room. <laughs> but, um, you know, Swag. he was talking about this notion of, open offices, you know probably as much as anyone about offices, how they're getting built out, what the sort of latest and greatest is. We're living in a sort of post, not quite post, we work world, but you know, when we're having all these big discussions about what the office of today looks like, what do you make of it? So look, I think, and I think I've said to you guys before, the product that WeWork brought to the market was an interesting and well-liked product, right? And it was a little bit, it was a little bit more, had a lot more pizzazz than maybe what traditionally uh, was out there. Um, I think that that two things are key. One, experience. Everybody wants an experience. So even work, physical, the physical space adds to the experience that people have at work totally and to their enjoyment, yeah. right, or lack thereof. Right. And we all know that a drab old office is not that exciting, right? It, it's much better if you have what you have here at Bloomberg, right, which is which is on one side of the equation yeah. versus some of the old office space that we all know and found kind of dreary, but used to accept 25 years ago. Our, our employee base is, norm, is more demanding right? today. So it's about experience. And then the other thing is, you know we have multiple generations, more than ever before, in the workplace, mm-hmm. right? Because people are working longer. Um, so we've probably got, in many cases, three generations in the workforce. So variety is important. So I've never been a believer that it's an all or nothing or a zero-sum game. So everything open, all right, so you have phone rooms, but that's an inconvenience. Everything open, um, you know, is probably not the best solution. Everything closed, meaning all offices, is also not the best because people do need variety. And I think in this day and age, you're remiss if you don't have what we would call a collaborative space, right? Or bar stools or, or a couch or right. a place to stretch or standing desks. I mean, there's a, there's a menu, a wide menu of things that you can choose. And it's not that much more expensive than traditional building out of walls. So I think variety is important. And of course, it's unique to each uh, culture and what you want to what you want to select for your employees. So I have to ask you. So is the availability or the necessity of that menu? That's probably good for your business, right? It is. Yeah, it is. It's a higher upfront investment very often, right? But you generally tend to see more less square footage taken, right? Because the space is more efficient. So instead of these big offices, you would get maybe three offices in the size of a of, of one oh, old large office. So, and then people do tend to work a bit more from home. Uh, and yeah. so you can really, you, you know, nobody gets, generally speaking, they don't get a nameplate on the office. If you're not there, right, someone else can use your office and you get higher utilization. So I'm wondering, because I remember going back a few years and having people talk about, you know, the investments that were going on in warehouse, you know, building. And I think, you know, we see that and it all makes sense. What are some of the trends that you're seeing that maybe people aren't talking about, but that you're definitely seeing it in the commercial real estate market? Yeah, well, definitely what we've just talked about, right? Everybody is paying attention to how the work, what the workplace looks like and the design of the workplace office. Uh, You know, we're seeing... 
we're definitely seeing more live work play type environments mm -hmm. experiences at malls those are the most successful malls right indoor outdoor medical office and mall that sounds crazy but it's close to people right there's parking and i can go to you know i can go to nordstrom and then to the doctor i mean a little yeah. bit extreme but in fact you can do that listen right? we have a we have a big story in the magazine this week all about walmart essentially building these like 10 15 000 square centers. foot healthcare centers right. yeah. in their stores exactly. and i i have to think Part of that is coming from the fact that you can go to a strip mall or a real mall correct. and there's and the an foot, urgent well, care there. And the foot That's traffic, correct. right? And is the foot there. traffic is there, exactly. What's, what's the story for retail in your view going forward? You know, um, so the facts are that, that bricks and mortar retail still grew in 2019. Limited percentage, right? Single digit percentage, but it still grew. I think, and, and I've, I've read and I agree with uh, the hypothesis that Oftentimes, a return will go to a bricks and mortar store, and you might pick something else yeah. up. Yeah. Right? That is happening. The return to 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 do the return electronically is a bit of a pain, right? But to just go to, oh, I'll just run to the store, return it, and I may pick something else up. There's also a lot of things I think personally that many of us are not comfortable buying online. Clothes, for example, you can buy a sweater, you can you know you can buy a sweatshirt, but mm -hmm. I'm not going to go buy a suit online. I want to touch and feel, and maybe even have some personal service. So I think it ha you know, so, so all that equates to, um, you know, the, many bricks and mortar stores still doing just okay. Growth is slower than it used to be, but it's there and it's the combination. Many brands are realizing, uh, you know, when, 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 when e-commerce first became, came out, it was like the bricks and mortar stores are dead. That, yeah. that hasn't turned out to be the case. Right. It's more of a coexistence. One of the things we know is we do not live in nearly as much of a binary world as no. many would have us believe, right? Much more of a hybrid hybrid world for sure. Gil Borak, so great to get some time Real with you. Thank uh, you. U.S. President and sure. CEO of Colliers International. Back with here, back with us here in New York, usually based out in Los Angeles.